4: Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who love the smell of shellac in the morning. Mark, Shannon, and Mad. All
2: right. It is Wood Talk number 418 for November 13th, 2017. On today's show, we're talking about using plans, smoothing plane angles, or, I'm sorry, smoothing plane angles. <laughs> What's the deal with horse butt? <laughs> I want to talk about
1: smoothing plane angles.
2: It's all in how you read it, guys.
1: That's awesome. I want to totally change the conversation. Uh, it
2: really <laughs> would. Uh, budgeting for the future and what will come of the SawStop acquisition. In, in, in. Okay. Uh, what do we have here? Voicemails. So we're going to lead right off here with a couple of voicemails. First one is from Kyle.
3: Hey guys, uh, Kyle here from Central California. I uh, just want to start off by saying thank you guys for uh, for the podcast and uh, for all you guys do in the woodworking community. Um, I've really been enjoying listening to your show for quite some time now and have actually started, uh, started listening back on uh, your earlier show from number one and I'm just working my way up in between the new episodes. <laughs> So I'm a big-time fan, uh, so thank you. Uh, I know uh, you don't like drawn-out messages, so I'm just going to make this quick. (laughs) I have a couple questions, um, mainly for Matt and Shannon. Um, I currently live in an area outside of uh, Central California that is affected by the uh, bark beetle. Um, It's taking down a lot of our pine trees around here, specifically the sugar pine and ponderosa pine. I also have a mill that I use to mill the wood and use for my projects. However, I'm thinking of the possibility of milling up more of this wood to stockpile and save. Uh, The reason being, I've heard that this wood could possibly be worth something in the future. So I'm looking at this as kind of like an investment. So that leads me to my first question for Shannon. Uh, Have you heard any rumblings in the lumber industry about this wood the sugar pine and ponderosa pine and if i do decide to mill this up is it something that could be used as an investment or possibly a good return on my money in the future and my second question would be for matt Um, i've been milling up for quite some time now and i am left with a mountain of sawdust what the hell do you do with all of this? I seriously have no idea what to do with it, and uh, I'm hoping for a little bit of insight into, uh, into this chaos. And I guess I have one final question. Um, being a new father, my son was born on the fourteenth of October. Uh, how early is too early to get my son in there? You know, cleaning out my dovetails and oh. sweeping up <laughs> my shop. All joking aside, I really appreciate this podcast and hope, uh, hope this question reaches you. Uh. Well. Thank you. Nice. Train I, your I thought he was going to say
1: cleaning up the piles of dust there. So of I thought up too.
2: Clean my shop for me. Yeah. It's
1: never too young to can him a dustpan in a broom. Come on. <laughs>
2: That's why you have them, right?
1: Uh, well, Matt, I'll, I'll start off on this one. I think sawing lumber with the idea of it being an investment is kind of like collecting comic books. So maybe you'll make your money back after you're dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, yeah.
2: Don't count I, on making I any mean, money.
1: Yeah. Maybe the value will, will go up, but... I mean, you're talking about a softwood species. Softwood species, that first of all, softwoods grow like weeds. So you could say maybe ponderosa is going to have issues, but there's going to be aggressive replanting of it, and the stuff grows so fast. Sugar pine, same thing. Um, the fact of the matter is, is and and especially because it's softwoods, the value of the softwoods itself is so low. Um, I mean, they're they're, they're much, much cheaper to buy than hardwoods because they grow so fast. And they're so easy to produce. So if a scarcity comes along, the primary people that buy it, industry, commercial, construction trade, they just find something else to buy. Mm. You know, oh, that's gone up in price because it's scarce. All right, well, we're just going to buy white pine. So, yeah, <laughs> maybe the, the value might go up, but <sighs> pennies, I think. You know, I, I, don't, I don't see that as being... Your uh, retirement fund. Uh, I say go get a Roth IRA instead. Um, you probably have a better rate of return on it than nope, that. To sell, redirect don't mill investment. Stuff up for yourself. Don't mill it up to resell it. Mill it up for yourself because sugar pine's great. Ponderosa pine is fantastic stuff to work with. So don't worry about the investment in making an investment in your furniture projects because those will be worth a lot more than the stacks of lumber.
2: Well, and you won't have to spend that money on lumber later. You're saving.
1: Yeah, see, there's your investment. Boom, yeah. baby. It's like a reverse mortgage. It just gives back. <laughs>
2: it's the gift that keeps on giving.
1: Uh, leave it in uh, your kids' hands to deal with.
2: There you go. So uh, what about your portion of this question, Matt? Sawdust? Um, I still generate more from my shop than the mill. Really? And I just dump that all back
1: of the yard. That's because the breeze takes the stuff off the mill. That's your neighbor's <laughs> problem.
2: Actually, that's where he gets the kids involved. He just has them grab handfuls and throw it in the air when it's windy. Takes it over to the neighbor's yard. Oh, they do
0: that already. <laughs> <You> even when it's not windy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice. So it just, the what? I mean, do you ever have to dispose of it? Or is it all just kind of work its way into the, the soil around the mill? It or? just
0: works its way into the soil in the back. Because I just shovel it up and dump it. Along the back, we have that marsh area. Mm-hmm. That's where I dump like the leaf clippings and the, um, the grass clippings and like the leaves in, in the fall. It all goes back there. It's so like a big compost pile around the, the back there. That's where I put the sawdust. The stuff from the, the shop where it's more shavings, I use that as ground cover on the side of the yard where we have like this uh, garden thing. Oh. So it's like mulch. Nice. And it, it rots fast enough, especially the sawdust from the mill because the particle size is so much smaller than the shavings from the shop. Sure. It rots really quickly. And it goes away very fast, especially if you spread it out.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, good deal. Or it's you could use you could build some kilns and use it to power your kilns, like we do. I got we produce guys. we produce a little bit a little bit more sawdust. Oh, you get a, a tractor you get like trailers a,
2: Get yourself a wood burning stove for the house. Oh yeah, great. Use that for heat yeah. once in a while. I
1: have uh, one. Where do you all
2: the scraps go? Okay, well, yeah, there it's, you
1: go. it's really fun if you get a fire pit and throw a handful of sawdust in, you get that really cool, like, <clears throat> thing.
2: It's a good party you
0: trick. You don't get it to yeah. whole off from the mill stuff because it's so wet oh yeah that's right it's pretty boring stuff like, it's <laughs> it just wet, puts so the can't, fire can't, out <laughs> you can't even burn it
1: like, it's, <laughs> right. it's so well, use your use now it's yeah. now
0: fire retardant yeah it acts like <laughs> sand I will sell it to the fire department here
2: sprinkle this on someone's burning house <laughs> just don't so let so what it what you dry. gotta do
1: is you gotta spread out your sawdust and dry it appropriately so now oh it's, it's, it's like bean sawdust. roasting now mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: you put it on a sheet pan in the oven at 200 degrees for 30 minutes it'll be fine <laughs> alright next question we have here is from
4: Andrew wants to know what's the deal with horse butt hello gentlemen and mark been listening to this show now for about two months uh i've listened to every episode so needless to say i've gotten almost oh. nothing done at work um had a quick question uh about straps what's the deal with horse butt yes uh shannon i know you recently well, I don't know how recently because I've listened to every episode in a month and a half. Uh, started using a horse butt leather strap. Um, just had a quick question about the actual leather that you use. Um, I have a scrap piece of leather that I got from just a local hobby store um, that I've been using. And I'm finding that it seems to be quite a bit, my chisels uh, seem to be quite a bit duller. Uh, than they were straight off of my 8,000 grit Shapton stone. Um, just wondering if this is a horrible technique that I'm doing because I just started doing this, or if the actual leather itself will make a big difference. Um, so hoping you could just touch base on that, um, and also if you could let me know where you got the horse butt. Um, I'd very much be interested in getting some myself. Thanks a lot. Enjoy right. the show. Bye. Horse butt, horse butt, horse butt. Uh, horse butt, horse
2: butt. <laughs> So where do you get the horse butt? What's the deal oh, with the horse butt? How
1: many, how many times a week do I answer that question? Toolsforworkingwood.com is where mm-hmm. I got mine. Um, you also can Google horse butt leather. There's actually a couple of suppliers out there. Oh, now I'm not going to remember who it is, but somebody posted in my hand tool school community, you found a source for horse butt leather. Um but the fact of the matter is, if you get it from Tools for Working Wood, it comes in a nice little strip that's already ready to go, and it's very nice. What it comes down to is the hardness of the leather. Um, it's it's a very, I guess we call it a nap, a very short nap, very close nap. Um, if you buy just kind of the maybe the stuff that you got at the hobby store, it's probably got a little bit more flex in it. So – while your chisels may look nice and polished, they may actually be rounding over pretty substantially. It's the fact that it's called dubbing. If you do a whole lot of stropping, eventually it will kind of round over because what's happening is the leather is kind of forming around the chisel. As you push down on the chisel, it's – it's what are the, what was the word I used before? Spooge. It's spooging up around it. Yes, um, that word. And it's, it's just kind of rounding good, it good over. Good word choice. Yeah. So the horse butt does a really good job because it really doesn't flex. I mean, you could push down on it really hard and it's not going to form around the chisel at all. Horse butt is not the end all be all. I mean, it's it's a good solution, you know, that is good, definitely going to work, but you can find other leathers. Um, if you buy from industrial supply places like belting leather, it's a really, really firm, strong leather. That's what I've got a strap right here in on my joinery bench that i glued to a piece of hard maple but it's a much much thicker strap than the horse butt but it's also ridiculously hard so it's the same type of thing um you know suede like what we're lining our chops with our our vice chops and everything suede is just too soft um so you put it on something and it just kind of you know squishes out of the way and bends around your chisel so it all comes down to that hardness of the leather
2: when I got my horse butt on Shannon's recommendation, I was actually very surprised at how firm it is uh, compared to any other piece of leather and I do have an extensive collection of leather items. Um, <laughs> this one, <laughs> I, like you could hold it just at the very end and it barely bends at all. I mean, it almost feels yeah. like it's some other, it doesn't feel like it's leather, frankly. It's very, very uh, stiff material.
1: Yep. That it is. Good stuff. It's very
3: stiff. It is.
2: Okay. Uh, I don't know who this is from, but it's about uh, some nonsense. Let's listen to it.
3: Hey, guys. This is Aaron from Minneapolis. Oh, it's Aaron. Long time listener, first time caller. Figured I'd save it for a serious question. Um, just uh, stumbled on something that I figured you guys absolutely need to discuss. So couldn't help but call in. Um, just realized there's a
1: very. Striking similarity in the way that plumber and lumber
3: are spelled, but they're pronounced differently. So, maybe one of them is being pronounced wrong? I personally think it would sound better if it was
4: Shannon's Lumber Industry Update. What do you think?
2: Is it, I mean, really, we're covering the important topics here what the show was all about
1: uh, are you guys are you guys familiar with the comedian mitch Hedberg? Uh uh-uh, no, because <laughs> this was like a mitch Hedberg. i, I swear oh. that was that i mean he's unfortunately he's dead now but um that was like mitch's entire standout like you ever notice that plumber <laughs> and lumber are spelled the same but pronounced differently yeah yeah you know and that was it that's like, called uh English. it was all about delivery like nothing he said was funny but the delivery how was he really said funny.
2: it yeah totally <laughs> I'm um, not really sure other than English is weird.
1: Although I do get plenty of inquiries from overseas where like a voicemail will come in and say, I'm inquiring about your lumber. Oh, so, really? okay. Lumber. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, English language sucks basically. So for poor people having to learn the English language, yeah. yeah. Plumbers and lumbers, yeah, lumbers. It's, it's a problem. Lumbers. Plumbers.
2: All right. Uh, let's get to our emails here. First one is from, who is it? Danny. He says, what do you fellas expect from Festool's acquisition of SawStop? Uh, And we did, yes. We did talk about this in the past. Uh, He says, I would love to see them produce a SawStop bandsaw. I would too. I would too. But just in case, uh, this might be kind of reiterating what we said in the past when this was first announced. Um, You know, To clarify, it isn't Festool buying SawStop. It's their parent company. My guess is because there's such a, disparity between the types of products that SawStop would make or something that that kind of technology would be suitable for uh, and what Festool produces that they may not enjoy each other's company much at all. Uh, And again, I think this is a repeat of what we said before, but I've gotten this question a couple of times, so I just wanted to hit on it again. I really think this is just a acquisition for the sake of having another product line, and I I really think you're going to see very little crossover, and this is not... Me knowing anything it's just my gut, I just don't see any reason why there would be It's just a a different area of the industry for t t s to own, and it's a you know a very profitable one for them so uh, it makes sense, but I don't see this sort of woodworkers dream of these two great companies coming together to produce, you know, little saw stop, uh, you know, TS 55 babies. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, do you guys, I mean, it's been a couple of months. Actually, now.
1: I kind of want to see that just cause I want to see like how much the track saw actually jumps up in the air. When yeah. It tracks inside of it. It
2: might knock your tooth out, but at least yeah. you'll still have your finger.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Like right in the face. The I want to go back to the saw stop bandsaw. How would that work? Okay. Just a matter of just stopping the blade because you can't retract the blade.
2: Yeah. I, but, and I guess, yeah, sure. So the, I think the bandsaw, if you're going to come up with something, right? Let's say the bandsaw is like your dream or, or like the, the jointer or something, any other large stationary power tool. I don't know, like what does the Festool tie-in have anything to do with that? Because they don't no, make nothing. those tools either. You know what I mean? Maybe just,
1: you know, no, no. if you really like the green color scheme you're mm. just hoping for a green bandsaw
2: or just hoping to get an, you know, the innovation that comes from festivals camp maybe, and having that tie into saw stuff. I don't know. Anyway, I, like I said, I just wanted to, to, to bring it up one more time. Um, you know, just because I like to beat dead horses, dead horse butts. Sorry. <laughs> right in the butt, beat them right in the butt, smack them right in the butt. Even after they are dead. That's why it's so stiff. It's oh, oh
1: boy. <laughs> okay. I mean, this yeah. one, uh, this one's from Antony Ant. and, uh, He says, I was wondering what angle would y'all recommend for a smoothing plane? I'm going to buy a number four bronze Lee Nielsen. I have the option of the standard 45 or 50 or 55 degree bedding angle. I'm the only person I know who uses hand planes and know no one with that type of knowledge. I use mostly domestic lumber. Uh, This will be used for smoothing, taking as thin a shaving as possible. So my thoughts are if higher angle is better for difficult grain Then 50 or 55 may be better, but I will give it. Uh But will it give good results on regular grain? I picked this question because this is one of those things that this – is, this is one of my bugaboos. bugaboos. <laughs> this really grinds my gears. Bugaboos. I will not deny the fact that a higher-angle frog will create better results on difficult-grained lumber. But <laughs> – I feel like the machines that are the tool makers today, in an effort to provide multiple options, have made these multiple options seem like they are more necessary than they are. I use a number four bronze Lee Nielsen and a standard angle frog, and I have been able to get tear-out free surfaces on some nasty woods. Really figured stuff, like gnarly jungle woods and such, and... (laughs) There's so many other things you can do before you start raising the bed angle that will reduce or eliminate tear out that going right to kind of the nuclear option of, you know, pulling the frog out and putting another one in just seems a little silly. That being said, I've used the higher angle ones and they do kind of make grain direction irrelevant, but they're a lot harder to push and the blades will dull a lot faster at that higher angle. So, uh, you know, as an all around smoothing plane, I don't think it's necessarily a good idea because it will, you know, it just makes it a heck of a lot harder to use and you're going to end up sharpening the blade a lot more. If you find yourself getting into like really, really crazy figured stuff that's going to need that extra bedding angle, I think you're actually better off going with a bevel up plane because it's just easier to swap in another blade than to remove a frog and put another frog back in or just go buy a whole second plane. You know, I don't like the idea of unscrewing the bolts, pulling the frog out, putting the new frog in, screwing the new bolts in. So it's like, I I don't, I don't, it just seems totally unnecessary. I have not needed anything other than a standard angle on my smoothing plane for years. Um, I have a Veritas bevel up. That's actually got that 50 degree blade in it. So it's a included angle of, of 62 degrees and I haven't used it in four years. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I just think that we're, we're, we're looking for too, too easy of an answer with this. And, uh, it's just not necessary to go to that level of, of adjustment.
2: Bugaboo, adjustment. Indeed.
1: Bugaboo. Bugaboo.
2: Okay. So we got two more questions or more of a, uh, sort of collaborative answer, uh, type thing. First one here is from Brian. You want to read that one, Matt? Sorry. Sorry oh, to make you, sorry to make you get up. I was, I was a little comfy. Like He's all back leaning in back. back. Jeez, look oh, at so you, nice. like a sixteen-year-old kid. <laughs> little
0: punk. Hey, just little punk. Just one day, one <laughs> day. Come on,
1: what? <laughs> okay. what, what? one one day older than sixteen. Is that what you're saying?
0: <laughs> yeah, just one day. That's it. <laughs> one day where I can just relax for a second and like not have
2: to worry about defending yep. myself. You've been relaxing for the last fifteen minutes. That's
1: true. Here am I. Seriously, <laughs> I just answered a question. So it's I'm, en- I'm entitled. Yeah. What
2: can I say? <laughs> Millennial. It's.
0: That's the way I was raised. You know, that's
2: right. My... It's your generation. It's uh,
0: your thing. Yeah, I'm entitled to
1: that. All right, so I do realize, Mark, that you could have just read it and we would have been done with this by now. I know, okay, well, but I'm, I'm
2: throwing the I'm throwing the kid a bone here. I don't so, need like it. Like I call him a kid. I got a horse butt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got <a>
1: horse butt.
0: <laughs> hey guys, I'm glad you didn't quit. There, that's out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you guys are building a project of your own design. How often do you start with completed plans and stick to those plans through the entire project? I'm designing my own stuff, mostly furniture, and I have never stuck to a plan from start to finish. Since I'm completely self-taught, I have no woodworking friends other than you guys. I have no of reference as to whether I am normal or abnormal. Insert laugh track here. <laughs> my process involves constant refinements, enjoyments, etc. that are available to me as long as I go... Along. Obviously, I can't alter some things that are already done, but since I tend to think ahead a lot, I can make the correct changes as I go along. This process, uh, this is a process that has worked for me, worked well for me, but I love your input uh, about this aspect of design. Thank you all for, thank wow, thanks for all you do, your patron supporter, Brian. Brian. So nice, wow.
2: heartfelt Brian. letter from Brian. Uh, How often do you guys even have something close to a finished plan when you begin? (laughs) (laughs) Right? You know Uh, what I mean? Like, let's take a step back here. It's not even, uh, even before I can answer, do I follow the plan? It's a question of, am I actually working from something that's a completed plan? And most of the time for me, no.
0: Yeah, usually,
1: that that answer. you You guys
2: should do that five more times. That would be great. Okay. I'm actually on
1: it now. <laughs> Please, Matt, go ahead.
0: I was gonna make the quick comment that I was gonna say like the closest I ever get to that is with a guild project. Yeah, Because yeah, so at least there we have when I start that at least I have like the basics. I'm not have all the little details, but the the final dimensions of all like the structural pieces are kind of figured out and the joinery is kind of figured out at that point. But if I'm not doing a guild project, psh, there ain't no plans.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. I don't do that it's a piece of paper
2: Piece of paper and a pencil the day of yeah I mean it's you know sa- what, same for me I mean I, I generally will, will get as much as I possibly can on paper and then I start and the problem is I don't you know things will change as I go I'll find out oh you know what that looked like it was a good idea but maybe in you know I see the, the dimensions in person and I look at the way it's going in the workflow and decide that that doesn't make any sense anymore so I don't do it um, but it yeah. is definitely a you know, as as things go, the only time I think I would go buy a plan, you know, and sort of go from top to bottom is if it was a pre-purchase thing. Someone already worked out those details, and then there's you know, unless I have a personal preference change, there's no reason to change anything. But when it comes from me, I just don't feel like woodworking is the kind of thing where you absolutely need to have that plan one hundred percent done by the time you hit the start button.
1: What I, I wonder, and this is an amendment on this question, do you think that this is an evolution in in, in the woodworker? Or this is just a different way of thinking? Because I've often thought of this as this is just something like when you first start out, you gotta have a plan, you gotta work from a plan, and then you kind of you get stronger, better, faster, and you evolve into a woodworker that doesn't need plans. But now I'm starting to think that this is just a different way of I mean, I, I think that there's some merit to that evolution thing, but I think it's also just kind of a different way of thinking because I, I have been to the point where I've, i I would even say I scoff at plans because it's like, I just get in trouble. Every time I follow a plan, I screw something up, mm-hmm. you know, because you're sticking to something else and there's just too many variables to get in the way. Um, and I'm always getting, you know, comments or things on YouTube videos about, do you have a plan for this a plan for that? And I'm like, no, like, do you really need one? Like, Look, did you watch the video? Like how hard would it be? You know? And then I've started to realize that some people don't, can't visualize certain mm-hmm. things and they do need it laid out and sketched out and step-by-step step for them. And it's a different way of processing. So I've, I've kind of backed off of that because, because I'm a real jerk for saying that <laughs>
2: which, Yeah, you know, are.
1: it's like, it's like making fun of a dyslexic kid or something, you know, I don't process that way. So, okay, now I get it. So I, I, I wonder, though, if you're not – I just can't find a way to work off a of plans and not screw something up and not get into trouble um, because well, there's just so many little adjustments that happen.
2: you're the dyslexic kid in this Maybe. scenario. Probably am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think, yeah, there's definitely something to that. I, I liken it to music. You know, some people learn how to play music and the best they can do is read sheet music and that's it. But then you have musicians who take it to a different level and they can freestyle and they can jam with a bunch of other musicians and it sounds great. And actually they find sheet music to be incredibly limiting. Uh, and I think once you have a vocabulary and woodworking and the ability to kind of execute and, and get yourself out of um, snags, it could be really fun to just go without that plan, or at least go with some starting idea, and then bob and weave as you go, and try to uh, you know come up with something great on the other end.
1: That was way too many mixed metaphors in it there. Was it I, Sorry, <laughs> I, I rehearsed that as well. Uh, couldn't get. Go ahead. Wow. So uh, no, I I feel like I use SketchUp more than anything mm-hmm. these days. Like the planning I'm doing is like, does this proportionally look right? you know and the actual like construction is just like scribbling like eh, yeah i'll figure that out later you know because joints are joints and eh, it's probably going to be a mortise and tenon there i don't even really think about it what you would you what you design what i draw up and plan is how does it actually look you know um what what about the
2: the sort of phenomenon that most of the people probably listening to this most of the people getting into this stuff are not necessarily doing this as a career path in terms of I want to make a furniture line. Right? So if you're a designer and you're designing mm. stuff and then you're building it and you're make, trying to make a furniture line, you're going to make something more than once. Chances are, you will have a plan and you're going to stick to that plan each and every time. But you know, again, a lot of the people listening to this show are probably making nothing but one-offs. And I mean, I'm I'm one of those people. I very rarely, if ever, make the same thing twice. So there really isn't much of a point other than to convey how I did it to other people. For me personally, oh. there's not a whole lot of benefit in in working it all out if I know that I've got the skill set to you know finish this project and not have it be a disaster, you know. So I think the way people are building one-off pieces all the time now, maybe there's just no need to to go that far with it unless they truly, truly want to.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that comes back to the just kind of how you work, yeah. um, how you actually build. Because I know people who are like they come up with these great designs and then they can't execute on it unless they go that extra mile and and work out all of the ins and outs mm-hmm. you know and i think that that's maybe where like the engineer mind comes in and that's that's why i definitely don't understand that because that's not me yeah. but uh, hey you know teacher's own I, I envision what i don't um... where i don't like is for people who are completely like flummoxed. It's like, I can't do yeah. anything without the plan, right. you know? And, and I, I think that may be the evolution side of things where you can look at a picture of a piece of furniture and start to think like, you know, mentally undress it, if you will, hey, baby. so that you, you know how hey. it goes together. Yeah, those, legs are looking
2: there? S- those legs <laughs> are looking square, baby. That's really good. Good one. Okay. Uh, what do we have on the next one here? Who's that from? Is there a name? Adam. Yeah. Okay. I think Adam. it wasn't his carryover from last week or two weeks ago that we just never got to. I think so. Yes.
0: I carried it over the
2: notes. You're welcome. Oh, good job. Hey, you can read it then. Boom. Oh, I read <laughs> walked yourself one. into that one. Ah, it's from Adam.
0: He says, when you quit the nine to five to go full time, how do you justify it to yourself that? Yes, I am busy now and can make a decent living, but how will I be able to retire one day? How do you budget for the future? I asked because I want to go out on my own one day. I would work, uh, simple furniture and tables, turnings, uh, turn game calls, and also mount European skull mounts. Whoa. Like... The hell is that? Animals?
2: <laughs> European skull mounts?
1: <laughs> or, or Europeans. Europeans? Is that, is that what thinking? <laughs> it's the most dangerous game, people. Hunting Europeans.
2: Hold on, I'm looking this up. <laughs> I gotta know what this is.
1: European skull mounts.
2: <laughs> they look like very skinny deer that mount like a, you know, a mounted head that you would see in a hunter's lodge or something.
0: But animals.
2: It, yeah. It does look like a deer of some sort. Okay. But it's a European deer mount. Okay. Mm. This is okay. just something unique to it, but I don't know what that is. Okay. Anyway, it's a thing. <laughs> okay, you know, All right. Well, you know, my recommendation is invest in Ponderosa pine, right? Yes. <laughs> as much as possible. As we discussed earlier. <laughs> Going up a few cents next year right here. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, I'm telling you, I am still counting on my G.I. Joe comic book collection to bail me out. Yeah, dude, one of these days. going to buy me a private island one day. Yeah,
2: exactly. Uh, You know, it's really difficult, right? Because you don't have like a built-in 401k plan. Um, You know, you you really do. It's sort of a self-motivated, you have to go out of your way to make sure that you've got a retirement plan. And I think a lot of people, especially with woodwork, you love what you do, so you do it all the time and you probably envision yourself even doing this uh, through a period of retirement because of your love for it. I know I certainly do. Um, I'll, I'll woodwork as long as I'm physically able to. So um, the potential to make money from that is is generally always going to be there. Um, but at the same time, you don't know what the future holds. You don't know where you're going to end up and what you're physically capable of doing, so you probably should do something uh, to, to kind of plan for your future. Um, you know, we invest in our retirement, bottom line. Nicole and I, for a long time ago, you know, very we had kids very late, so we had a good opportunity to pay off most of our debt and get into a position where once we switched over to doing the Wood Whisperer full-time, we could still pay our bills and any extra money, instead of going to paying off credit cards, was going into investment accounts. Um, so we do actually actively fund investment accounts. And I don't know of, you know, at least general advice. I don't know of any other way to do that, you know, to plan for your retirement. If you don't have something built in like 401k, um, if you don't have that, you've got to do something. If you do right. plan to retire and have some money later.
1: Well, I mean, if you're going to go into your own business, uh, the first thing I recommend is get yourself an accountant and a good accountant is going to come tax time, say, how much money are we going to, you know, set aside? I mm-hmm. you, you got to do something, go, you're allowed to put. I don't know what the maximum is anymore an- annually, but he that accountant will tell you, Yeah, go go get a Roth IRA, go get an IRA, put money in it before this date, because it will help your tax situation. Yeah. And then next year,
4: yeah.
1: you know, so if you do nothing, if you contribute nothing all year long, your accountant is gonna come after you and say, Look, go put some money away. And and the good accountants also will tend to act and a little bit of a financial advisory capacity as well. Sure. And any financial advisor is going to tell you, you need to have a portfolio. You've got to start investing. And, it, you know, you don't have to be playing the stock market. That's what his job is. Or, you know, if you're working with a firm that has job. a financial advisor arm, you know, you got a guy for that. Let him do it. Or a girl. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs>
2: my financial advisor is a woman. That's why I'm saying that.
1: Yeah. My accountant is a woman. She's really good. She's mine's not so good. <laughs> <laughs> What's her name? I'm curious.
2: Um, Sarah. you know, the interesting thing with the, finan- <laughs> with the financial advisor thing, um, this is, this is one of those things to be aware of. If you're sort of a DIY person there is a lot that you can do in terms of just basic fairly safe uh investments that you can do and you could teach yourself this stuff and go to good reputable resources to learn how to do this and then you don't have to necessarily pay the fees associated with financial advisors um and this is something like i was talking we talked about david nichols the other day um he's a smart guy when it comes to money and when he was out at my shop we we got you know because you spend a lot of time together you wind up talking about a lot of things uh and one of those we started talking about was in investments, and I do unfortunately, because i don 't have the knowledge, I have to use one of those sort of entry level top tier sort of uh, well, top tier is the wrong phrase for that uh, <laughs> I mean the people the, the place you go when you don 't know where else to go <laughs> kind of financial advisor mm-hmm. <laughs> so he was going down and like kind of analyzing it and letting me know exactly how much more you know percentage i 'm paying for this type of service because i haven 't informed myself. And that there are other you know not quite d i y solutions there are you know less hands on solutions or completely online services uh that will give you some of the same things. Uh, with managed accounts and things like that.
1: Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of Mark's Jersey background. His investor is like Vinny's bail bonds.
2: <laughs> uh, so how many 20s you're Vinny's giving me today?
1: Bail bonds. We got low cases in Trenton and Newark.
2: Yeah, it's a bunch we of check cashing places. Go yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was like.
1: It's right on the corner next to Vinny's agent and sushi. <laughs>
2: Oh uh, yeah good stuff but anyway oh I love the fact that we're actually in a we're giving people financial advice this is really smart of us
1: <laughs> the fact uh, is our advice is go find someone who knows what they're talking yeah,
2: about yeah but honestly that's what it is I know I'm paying more than I have to I know I'm not yielding as much in the end but I don't have time to do the proper research and teach myself this you know the the, the anything dealing with money and investments I need help with that and I have to pay for that help unfortunately but it's better than nothing that's the yeah. way I see it <laughs> uh, so what about you, uh, Matt, you, uh, relying on your wife's high stake lawyer life to fund you guys forever or what? What's going on there?
0: Uh, well, one, one quick thing. I want to go back to the question. He is oh, there assuming was a question.
2: That... <laughs> oh, that's right. No, there was this,
0: a question. Just to, just to, kind, of, to <clears throat> kind of, I don't know, branch off this question a little bit. Sure. The fact that he must assume that all employers offer retirement packages. That's what this question is based off of because okay. if you're working a normal nine to five job, not all nine to five jobs offer benefits or yeah. retirement packages That's to begin point. with. So regardless if you're going to be going on off on your own, doesn't matter what, what you're doing. You should always be thinking about this regardless. So yeah. I'm hopefully making this question because you have it now and you're looking to lose it. So it might actually make it a lot easier for you because then you can just kind of figure out what you're getting now with your employer and kind of do the same thing or figure out you're going to be putting in this much money. If your employer is matching right now, no one's matching for you. If you're self-employed, you're matching yourself. That's kind of cool and stupid, but cool. (laughs) at the Same time, you know, (laughs) it's like everything you got to keep that in mind too. And like, even like the big picture thing, like as an employee, your employer pays so much for you. Like, and I'm like, if I'm looking at hiring someone, I'm looking at like, okay, here's what I have to pay them, and then here's what I have to pay the government. Because when you're an employee, like your employer is paying your, yourself your employment tax, as well as the portion you're paying as well. So they pay taxes to pay you, mm-hmm. which is crazy, too. So you got to think about that, too. It's all kinds of fun tax stuff. I love it. No <laughs> oh, taxes. It's all over the place. I love the taxes. <laughs> but for us, personally, if you want to get on a more personal level, um, Lindsay has a retirement account, and then she had her student loans for a while, so instead of me putting my profits into myself, I put them into her student loans, mm-hmm. and we paid them off over the summer, which felt amazing. Oh, like, yeah. so I don't have to write that check anymore because we were paying more in student loans than I was paying for this house. Oh
1: god, jeez!
0: And that, yeah,
1: Law school—that is the worst.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it was—it was bad. Well, good, like, congratulations. Was the weight of that, just every month, They're like throwing this money away. And she made the when we did the memory frame we put that like the the letter the letter from the bank saying we paid off the loans <laughs> in the memory frame. Nice. Uh, and she made the comment that I always joked at her that she was paying it to work because literally her salary, it, it, like it, I think she like half of her salary was student loan payment.
2: Yeah. In the end. Oh, that so is.
0: So I always joked that she was paying it to work. It's like she's like she's actually making money working. But now we're through that. It feels good. I have to say, if you have student loans, pay them off. It feels so good. <laughs>
2: yeah, just do it because it feels just
0: good. Do it; it feels good. <laughs> just, just get rid of them. That's terrible. Uh, so yeah, we got that taken care of. And then, as far as the investments go, um, I started investing when I was young. Um, my dad gave me some money to play with uh, when I was in high school, just to play on the stock market, just to kind of get an idea of how to evaluate stocks and mutual funds, and kind of play with that. And then I set my own money that I saved aside and put that into a portfolio. And then that was the beginning of college. Then when I graduated, I took that money, I had my portfolio, and I bought this place. And this place has appreciated, so this was a good investment. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. So I'm finally to the point where I could actually start thinking about investing more money now because I don't have to be putting money into loan payments anymore.
2: Yeah. Well, and you know what? It is a really tricky endeavor and and you're so right about the taxes and things like that. When you start having to do payroll and you look at your Mm -hmm. bank account and you see how much, like you said, the business is not a separate entity, even though it is, it really is you. And then you see how much has to go out of that bank account to pay you the meager amount that shows up (laughs) on your paycheck. And you're just like, what in the world? Like, How does anyone succeed this way? But you know, the 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 trick here is with this type of business, the big difference is you're not uh, able to depend on it, at least when you have a paycheck. No matter what the number is, you could budget, you know when the paycheck's coming in, you know how much it's going to be for, and then you could, you know, put a certain percentage into some kind of a retirement account. But when you're paying yourself, it may not be that kind of steady income, you know, and that's the hardest part is deciding how are you going to always put X amount of dollars or X percentage into some kind of a retirement thing, and it's it's not the easiest thing to do. I mean, unless you just happen to be very lucky, very good, and have a, a business that's just uh, booming, you know, you, you might be in a different situation, but this is a tough way to go. Uh, sort of as a self-made furniture maker type person, that is a tough career path. Really tough career path. I mean, not to discourage you, but it's really
0: difficult. <laughs> so going back to pricing your work, don't forget about all this extra overhead that's actually going to
2: come out of your uh, your sale price and stuff your your self-employment tax that's fine yeah don't forget about that that's a good (laughs) chunk of money (laughs) oh man so all you people who are thinking about starting a business are you thoroughly depressed because that's what we intended (laughs) but you can work as much as you want (laughs) and then maybe one day you'll pay off your student loans for that that education you don't use anymore Oh. <laughs> oh geez alright well I think that just about does it Shannon, um, why don't you give them the contact info and I think we could leave them alone
1: <laughs> leave them alone I like that that's one good way to put it uh, if you've enjoyed the wood talk financial hour <laughs> you can you can submit your comments, questions, or topic suggestions, or just you know the number of your financial advisor. You can send that to us uh, via email at gmail.com. But don't send us an email. Send us a voicemail to that. That was very misleading. It was very confusing too. Yeah, we actually send us a voicemail using the voice memo app do on that. your phone. And send it to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. If you actually want to type something out, go to woodtalkshow.com contact and type it there. Just hit submit afterwards or mm-hmm. we get it. Um, yeah, and that's it. There's lots of places to find us. Just go to woodtalkshow.com and click on the various social icons and you'll find us in all those places too. Yeah, and I do get
2: quite a few email questions and uh, you guys don't get those anymore. We, that forwarding doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> but yes, I'm like less email. Yeah, but I still see them. So yes, if you're <laughs> listening to this, try not to just email us questions directly at that email because we're probably not going to have a chance to get to them. Use the contact form and then your question will get into the queue, which still may not be answered, but at least there's a, <laughs> at least there's a chance. <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance. There's a chance. All right. I think that does it for today's show. Thank you for listening everyone, and we will catch you next time.
1: Bye. Tip your financial advisor.